Um, hey, we are continuing our series called The Domino Effect. The domino effect that God set in motion in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And just as one domino knocks over another, which knocks over another, the gospel has been impacting one life after another, after another for 2,000 years. Our faithfulness to our Lord Jesus Christ has a domino effect. And we are looking at stories in the Bible that show the impact of our faithfulness and how that faithfulness can impact the world and change the course of history. Last week, we saw the domino effect of Andrew meeting Jesus, led him introducing Peter to Jesus, who became key leader in the early church. And we continue to experience the domino effect of those first introductions. When we are faithful, a domino effect takes place. And the evil one doesn't want us to think that we can make a difference. And most of us underestimate the impact of our faithfulness. In this series, we want to see and stress that our faithfulness can be felt for generations. The scripture for this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 29. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Ephesians is a little over halfway uh, in the New Testament. And uh, this passage that we are looking at, it speaks about how our faith changes us. When we put our faith in Jesus, a transformation begins to happen uh, in us. Our old self gives way to a new self, and then when others experience this transformation in us, it has a domino effect on them. As Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our scripture reader for this morning is Scout Irby. So Scout, go and make your way up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, we read from the center of the room because we believe scripture is the primary lens for our faith that is central to it. And we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so Scout, whenever you are ready, please read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 29. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Scout, thank you very much. You may be seated. Um, up through the seventh grade, I attended Catholic school. The name of my school was St. Francis Borgia. Um, our classes were pretty small, maybe 20 to 25 uh, total kids in my particular class. Overall, I had a positive experience at St. Francis, many good memories. However, in the first grade, we had a class bully. His name was Mike. And Mike, you know, he was a pretty typical 
bully. He would make fun of what you wore, or he would make fun of how you talked, or make fun of how you played a game. And he got more than one of my classmates crying by just, you know, saying mean things to them. Uh, he never got physical with any of us. He was just flat out mean. Um, and even though he never got physical with us, many of us were scared of him. So that was first grade. Now, I showed up to school the first day of second grade to find Mike wasn't there. And our class was thrilled. Where's Mike? We asked gleefully. And Mike had moved away. And it was such a relief. Now, we don't know where he moved to. The most popular guesses were to Mordor, Azkaban, or the Death Star. That's what we thought. But we didn't care where he moved. Uh, He was gone. And so, you know, second grade was, you know, there was no class bully. Now, just before the third grade year started, I heard that Mike had moved back. And there, yeah, that's right. There was a sense of dread, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Mike was back. Um, So the school year started, and the entire third grade at St. Francis Borgia experienced something strange. Mike was nice. He was nice. He didn't make fun of anyone. He didn't hurt anyone's feelings. He changed. He was different. And now that he was being nice, we actually got to know him, and we learned that he was really likable. And he was really good at like organizing fun games on the playground. And while I never became great friends with him, over the years, Mike became one of the most liked kids in our class. And I will never forget how different the third grade Mike was from the first grade Mike. What a difference difference makes. When someone changes for the better, it makes an impact. When we experience something better than expected, again, it makes an impact. When an employee at a store or a restaurant goes the extra mile for us, or when the person with a grumpy disposition, you know, actually smiles, or when our child, who's a picky eater, actually tries something new, it change, those changes for the good, they make a lasting impact. One of our directives here at TFRC is transform lives. We live visibly different lives because of our faith in Jesus which is exactly what this passage is addressing. When we live differently because of our faith, it has a domino effect. And changing for the better starts from within. It starts with a different drive. Or in other words, what motivates us changes. Um, Going back to the passage, verses 22 to 24, you were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off your old self, being made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self. Getting to the heart of the matter of what this is saying, the passage is contrasting being driven by what you want versus being driven by what is right. Now, being driven by what we want, well, that's talking about our desires. And not all of our desires are bad. And sometimes what we want and what is right are the same thing. But oftentimes they're not. 
And think about how we live each day. What drives us? Most of our decisions, without even thinking about it, are determined by what we want. I'm hungry, so I eat. I'm thirsty, so I drink. I'm tired, so I sleep. And hunger and thirst and being tired, these are all normal appetites, nothing wrong with them. But then, we have appetites that are not okay. Pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, sloth. These would be deceitful desires. And deceitful desires promise fulfillment and deliver corruption. Just as hunger, thirst, and getting tired are normal for us, and they lead us to eat and drink and sleep, the deceitful desires, well, they're normal too. Pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, sloth are all common to the human condition. And they never deliver what they promise us. And when they dictate our decisions, our lives become polluted. And if they are in control long enough, our lives become rotten. The passage says, put off the old self with its deceitful desires and be renewed in the attitude of your mind. Now, the original word for attitude there in that passage is the Greek word pneuma. Pneuma means spirit, that which govern, governs the soul. So it literally reads, be made new in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind is that which governs your mind. And whatever governs your mind determines how you behave. The spirit of your mind is the gateway to your soul. Our spirit is that which governs our soul. It determines who we are and how we live. Putting on the new self is to pursue God's righteousness and holiness or to pursue what is right. Now, what influences us more? I think it's a great question for us to ask. What influences us more? What we want or what is right? When we place our faith in Jesus, the old is gone, the new comes. The old way of being driven by what we want fades, and the new way of being driven by what is right grows. And we are transformed into a new creation. We become different in a good way. And when we live visibly different lives because of our faith, our world cannot help but notice. Now the passage goes on to list four specific areas of transformation, what I am going to call the T's of transformation. Sometimes when it comes to being driven by what is right, we just don't know where to start. And so this passage gives some 101 level places to begin. Now these are very simple things to do, but it doesn't mean that they are easy things to do. And there is a pattern with each example given. We are told to put off something, and we are told to put on something else, and then a reason is given for the impact that it can make. And so the first T is truthfulness. Going back to verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members 
of one body. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully because we are all members of one body. Being honest with each other is the basis for community. Lying to each other breaks the bonds of community. When we deceive each other, we avoid relationship with one another. We cannot be in community if we don't know each other. There are times, I'm assuming most if not all of us have experienced this, there are times when we think we know somebody. Maybe we've been friends with someone and have known someone for years. And then a moment comes when we realize that this person has been hiding a part of their lives from us for years. And what do we say in those moments? Something like, I don't even know who you are. On the flip side, if we can be honest with each other, it strengthens relationship. In my seminary training, I took a lot of classes as intensives, which means you still had a 10-week class, but you did all your classroom time in one week of that 10-week class. And I would take two intensives at a time, which means in the winter and summer, I would go to the seminary campus and stay for two weeks to complete all of my classroom time. Now, for those two weeks, you usually lodged with other students, and you got to know each other over the years. Now, there was one classmate I had, his name was Matt, and Matt was known for his blatant honesty. Now, he could have worked on the speaking the truth and love part a little bit, but he would always tell you what he thought. Now, the strength of that is that I always knew where I stood with Matt. There was one time that the roommate I originally had for two weeks only stayed for one week. And so I was looking for someone else to room with to just, you know, save some money. And even though Matt was already staying with someone, they said, no, you can come stay with us. Now, it was going to make things cramped, three of us in one room, but Matt said he was okay with it. And I didn't have to wonder if I was being an inconvenience for Matt. I knew I wasn't. And you know how I knew I wasn't? Because if I was... He would have told me, right? So I knew that it was fine. Again, speaking the truth in love is important. But that's the kind of power truthfulness can have. It makes the bond of community stronger. So Ephesians, it talks about truthfulness. It also talks about temperament. Temperament. If you go back to verses 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. It's okay to get angry, but we are expected to stay in control of our anger. We are responsible for managing our anger. And the problem with uncontrolled or unresolved anger is it leads to sinful thinking and sinful talking and sinful actions. Anger is the one emotion that can give the devil a foothold. Meaning that it can cause us to do bad things that we normally would not do. And we have all said things in anger that we didn't mean. And when we do that, we're really just, you know, releasing our anger. And saying hurtful things may feel good in the moment, but, you know, we all come to regret those things we say in anger. It would be better if we just never said them. Our anger can give the devil 
a foothold. Anger is meant to lead us to greater honesty and to confront the things that are wrong, but it is to be done so in a way that brings about positive change, not negative conflict. And of the four T's of transformation, I just happen to think that temperament has the greatest potential to make a positive impact. If you've had a bad temper in the past and you learn to manage your anger better, that difference will be noticed by everybody. So there's truthfulness, temperament, and the third T is thoughtfulness. Going to verse 28, where it says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. The one who has been stealing must stop stealing and get to work, do something useful. But the purpose of doing something useful, if you noticed in the passage, is not so that you can be a good member of society. <laughs> the purpose of working is to earn something to share with those in need. Now, we all have needs and responsibilities. All of us are busy and have our own problems and challenges, but it makes a difference when we notice someone else's need to take the time, make the sacrifice, and be thoughtful to someone else. Now, this is a silly example, but I'm going to use it anyway. Most of you know that I'm a Packer fan, and so I've received many Packer-themed gifts. Why? Because you know that I like the Packers, and so you want to get me something that I like. It's a very simple way of being thoughtful. There are more significant ways of being thoughtful, but when we get to know each other and realize a need someone has, and when we realize that we could take the time to meet that need, it's not just meeting the need. It's the thoughtfulness. It's the thoughtfulness behind it. That thoughtfulness makes a world of difference. It is powerful. Truthfulness, temperament, thoughtfulness, and the fourth T is talk. Verse 29, where it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Again, it's not just about stopping unwholesome talk. It's about building others up with what we say. Now, I've done a lot of golfing this summer. How many golfers do we have in the room? Okay. Um, now, I don't care who you are. If you golf, it is a real challenge to not allow unwholesome talk to come out of your mouth. Now, if you ever want to set yourself up to be in a situation to hear a pastor use unwholesome talk, go golfing with them. Okay, we're human too, all right? Um, golf is the single greatest challenge to controlling your tongue. It will bring the worst out of your mouth. Now, I'm very intentional at using PG language when I don't do well, okay? It takes a lot of work, but I'm intentional at using PG language. But part of my strategy for what comes out of my mouth when I golf is to be quick to compliment others when they do well. Wow, what a drive. You hit that really well. That was a great putt. I try to be super positive with anyone I golf with because if I focus on the good of other people's game, I focus less on the bad of my game. 
I hope that all of us know at least one super encouraging person. The one who always finds something positive to say about you. I love being around those people. They point out the best. They see the bad too, but they minimize it or they'll at least point it out in an encouraging way. One of my favorite quotes is, I can live all day on a good compliment. That is so true. When someone gives me a sincere compliment, I will remember it and use it to lift up my spirit over and over again. And I think the only thing better than being around super encouraging people is to be a super encouraging person. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Devin said something that I found kind of profound. People who have dramatic life-changing stories of coming to Christ, you know, those who've had it rough before they came to faith, and then their lives were totally different after they came to faith, we love those stories. In fact, we are envious of those stories. And Devin gave an insight as to why that's the case. We love those stories, we're envious of those stories because we crave transformation. We need to experience life change. Not just see life change in someone else, although that's a big deal, but we need to experience it in ourselves. Sometimes, we just don't know where to begin or what it might look like. We don't necessarily need to do anything dramatic. We just need a place to start. And a good place to start? Truthfulness, temperament, thoughtfulness, talk. Never underestimate the power of transformation. I remember Mike's transformation from elementary school. That was decades ago. It is still one of the most dumbfounding things that I have ever experienced. Your truthfulness, your temperament, your thoughtfulness, your talk could have a domino effect for decades to come. Now, as part of the domino series, we've been giving out dominoes to everyone, asking you to put it someplace that you will see it allowing it to be a visible reminder of the impact you can make with a simple step of faithfulness. And if you don't have one, you can pick one up at the information booth. But the domino challenge for this week is to intentionally find a situation to be either truthful, patient, charitable, or saying something positive to someone. And again, the key word to that, intentionally. You can use the prayer wall to solidify your commitment. Just write down which of those four T's you want to commit to this week, doing differently this week, to be a little bit transformed this week. And write that down and put it in the wall as a tangible way of making that commitment. Your truthfulness, your temperament, your thoughtfulness, your talk, being transformed 
in just one of those four areas could have a domino effect for decades. Please pray with me. And Lord, we thank you for the transformative power of your spirit in our lives who is at work in us, making us more like Jesus. So Lord, I would ask that you would renew the spirit of our minds and help us see how we can be driven by more what, by what is right. And Lord, be different this week. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.